1: I 意識と孵れ
2: to out of the blue on 3cr it is 11 31 on saturday sorry sunday the 31st of july um, you are listening to out of the blue it's on 3cr at 855 am you can also listen online at 3cr.org.au forward slash blue radio and we are now podcasting which is super exciting so my name's heather today i've been joined
1: Hi Aaron.
2: And we're going to be talking about the roundup of plastic free July, as today is the last day of July. And then we're also going to talk um, about the marine animals and some of the strange things they do.
0: Right, gentlemen, this panel is now on air. In July 1976, from an old warehouse in High Street Armidale, 3CR Community Radio hit the airwaves heralding 40 years of independent, community-owned and controlled radio. This will be the first station owned and operated by a cooperative of community organisations on a Melbourne-wide basis. This is 3CR. As the status quo of old media is challenged, as publications come and go, in a country with the highest concentration of media ownership in the world, 3CR continues to broadcast radical, insightful radio 24 hours a day, seven days a week.
2: We're not talking about land rights, we're talking about sovereignty. That's why it's
0: important for us to be at the 10 Embassy. From the protests against the Franklin River Dam to the 1998 waterfront dispute, from the East-West Tunnel picket to the Aboriginal 10 Embassy, the history of 3CR is dynamic and passionate and ongoing. I was born here. I will die here. I am not moving. (laughs) woo So as we celebrate 40 years in 2016, we ask you, our volunteers, listeners and supporters to join in in saying, happy birthday 3CR. Okay, so welcome
2: to Out of the Blue today. Um, Today is the last day of July, which means for all those amazing people who have been doing Plastic Free July, today is your last day.
1: Well done. If you've gotten through the whole month, congratulations.
2: Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's the last day. Like, you've obviously learned a lot through this process. You don't give it up. But today is the last day where you need to be really strict and harsh on yourself.
1: Absolutely. Keep up those skills for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah. And I've look, one of the things I've discovered with Plastic Free July is I really have to rethink takeaway food. Because usually I'm picking up dinner, I'm rushing home from work, and most of the dinner comes in a plastic container. And I haven't always remembered to bring a container from home. So, I've eaten a lot of pizza
1: right? Um
2: particularly the pizza that comes without the little plastic thing in the middle that stops the cheese sticking to the roof.
1: That is a crucial part of the pizza, though. I mean, yeah. you're lose half your pizza. Well,
2: my local pizza place, which is called Uncle Johnny's, um, they don't have that little thing in okay. the middle, which has been really good. So I've Excellent. been eating quite a bit of their pizza, which has done nothing for my my weight ready for Hawaii, <laughs> but you know i've I felt good not using the plastic.
1: At least you're feeling good about something. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. And, you know, I've done things like I've been using my metal straws a lot more. I bought some bamboo cutlery, which I'm going to use on the plane to Hawaii because the amount of, you know, plastic cutlery that you get given is incredible. Mm. And then I've got my keep cup as well because I read somewhere that every day um, on American Airlines, they throw out six million plastic cups, which is, That's that's, that's every day.
1: Every single day. Yeah. Every single
2: day. That's really disturbing. I think
1: you really hit on something there. That you're going to bring all your own utensils. Yeah. And bring your own cutlery. And I think you know this July is a real. It's a practice for really just keep it in your bag. Yeah.
2: Keep it in your exactly. handbag.
1: Bring it around. Um. And keep that up for the rest of the year, and you will be making an impact. And imagine everyone doing yeah. something like that.
2: And look, it does take up a, b- a bit of room in your bag, obviously. Um.
1: But you've but got when... all of July yeah. to adjust to that.
2: Exactly. Yes. Exactly. What we
1: need is collapsible utensils and. Uh, some uh, snap lock bags and that sort of thing that you can take to takeaway areas.
2: Yeah, yep. definitely. So, so
1: there's a multi million dollar idea. If someone wants to invent that, uh, you probably have a lot of people here. Yeah. Absolutely love to send oh,
2: I, I have been shopping online for so much plastic free July stuff. Right. I just, I'm not looking at my credit card statement right now. There's a lot of stuff on there. Um, <laughs> Well, there's also going to be a cleanup for anyone who's interested, anyone who's been inspired by reducing their plastic during Plastic Free July. Um, there is a cleanup at Williamstown next weekend and it's being run. It's actually a collaboration between quite a few groups. There's the Jawbone Marine Sanctuary Care Group, there's the Friends of Williamstown Wetlands, Scab Judy, Sea Shepherd Marine Debris Team and also 3016 Beach Patrol. Um, They're teaming up to do a massive collaboration clean-up at Waiter Beach, which is in the Jawbone Marine Sanctuary in Williamstown. If you haven't been there, really nice little spot. It's happening next Sunday between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. And um, we will post on our Facebook page some more details about that. So it'd be great to get everybody along to do a bit of a clean-up, and they also do an analysis of what sort of plastic they find a lot of, and it tends to be a lot of plastic straws. Plastic straws? Yeah, lots of plastic straws, which can be a major problem.
1: Well, that's something easy you can bring around. Hopefully everyone's done that in July, brought their metal straw along. Well, the thing I don't is, too, you can easily go room. without
2: a straw. Like, you don't have to have a straw.
1: Yeah, oh, sure. I've, mm.
2: I've just gotten used to taking my metal ones around. Of course. Yeah, Now, the topic we're going to be covering today, I'm going to give a small warning. If you are listening to us today with any um, younger people who have very inquisitive minds, we are going to be talking a bit about marine sex. That's right. So you may want to uh, maybe listen to us on podcast later on when they're not around.
1: (laughs) Well, we often bring sort of doom and gloom. We often talk about some depressing conservation issues. We thought we'd brighten it up a bit, talk about how marine organisms get down and dirty.
2: Yep. And sometimes they live in a dirty environment to begin with. So this this is going to be a really interesting topic today. Of
1: course. Someone uh, provided a really great pun for today. We're going from doom to talk about the womb, which is a horrible pun, but that I absolutely love terrible. it because of that. It is terrible. But that is that, so it's bad. also fantastic.
2: <laughs> it's fantastically bad.
1: Look, it's really good to talk about marine sex and reproduction because, look, I suppose as terrestrial animals, we sort of, we do it in a fairly standardised manner. And unfortunately, we're kind of prudish, actually, even the most experimental of us. We are kind of prudish when it comes to the diversity and weird and wonderful ways that uh, marine organisms actually have to reproduce.
2: That is true. And it
1: does make sense. You've got all these limiting factors that are imposed on these species. Uh, they could be migratory species uh, traveling huge distances uh, around the ocean to find mates of the opposite sex. They could live in environments which are extreme, where it is just difficult to find another species of the same sex, let alone uh, of the opposite sex. Mm. Uh Absolute size can be an issue. Some organisms are absolutely massive, blue whales, right down to the very, very small. And also, we've got a lot of um, organisms that mate that are sessile. So they're stuck in the one spot. How do do they find mates? They're stuck in the one spot. And the the methods that they employ to find and successfully reproduce are absolutely amazing.
2: Believe it or not, I actually went to a comedy show years ago. It was um, Bill Bailey.
1: Oh, yes. Fantastic.
2: Musical genius. Absolutely incredible. And he actually did an entire section on marine sex, and his favourite animal was the barnacle.
1: (laughs) Look, I I think I'll actually be going and looking that up after this show.
2: Yeah, it was really funny. So for anyone who doesn't know, the barnacle is obviously an animal that doesn't move, stuck on a rock, doesn't really have many options. Um, And he informed the entire audience, and I was so excited because I already knew the fact, um, that the barnacle actually has the largest penis size in comparison to its body.
1: Wow, I, I didn't know that.
2: And it's because it can't move. So it needs a very long penis to be able to reach the next barnacle along. Wow. Yeah, and that was included in his skit, and there f- was quite a, a little... few of us there with a marine background, and we <laughs> really appreciated that fact being thrown in there.
1: Of course, I feel a little emasculated now, but um, in terms of my body size compared to other areas, uh, that, that's incredible, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Incredible.
2: Well, some barnacles it's up to thirty centimeters. Think wow. How small a barnacle is? Wow.
1: Okay. On a human,
2: <laughs> I mean, that would look absolutely ridiculous. Yes. Yeah.
1: A little impractical. Uh, Majorly
2: impractical. Well, I, I mean, look,
1: I'm not going to judge. Maybe there are some people out there with that body ratio, but look, not going to judge. There there are other animals, of course, that that do, mate, that don't have such a a large member. Um, Coral and sponges obviously spring to mind. Now, they are quite a little bit different. Sponges obviously a very simple animal, a multicellular animal, versus coral, which is a colonial animal, but they both have the same imposing factor, that they can't move. So how do they reproduce? Now, they do do things a little bit differently, but coral, quite incredible. They will actually spawn... And they will both release uh, sperm and eggs into the ocean on the exact same moment. How do they know? Well, there's a whole bunch of factors. You know, it's the sun, it's the moon, it's environmental cues. We don't really understand all of these factors, it's but crazy. they are able to release all at the one time to make make sure that uh, they've got the, the the best likelihood of fertilisation. It's absolutely incredible. So, sponges will tend tend to be only releasing sperm and the Female reproductive organs are actually within other sponges, whereas corals will release both sperm and egg into the ocean. So the males usually start first, slowly at first. They're pumping out their sperm, getting a little bit more vigorous, pumping out into the ocean. And we <laughs>
2: gave a warning for this. They have gave a warning. They'll
1: pump it out into the ocean, <clears throat> excuse me, and the eggs will then follow. Uh, and now hopefully fertilisation does happen because a lot of corals actually time this the exact same moment. So not only do they need to find another egg, they need to make sure it's the right species. Once fertilization Ooh, yeah, does occur, of
2: course, yeah, that does make that, it that's tricky, right. Doesn't it makes it tricky.
1: Makes it tricky. Not yeah. of that. Okay. Once fertilization does occur, that egg will uh, become a zygote, so a multicellular organism starting to develop, and can float around from anywhere from two days up to about four months in one recorded uh, occurrence, and oh, yeah. hopefully land on a spot that's actually favorable for growth. So, as you, as you can imagine, it's quite tricky. There's a high uh, likelihood that fertilization doesn't occur. So they do produce sperm and egg completely en masse, absolutely. Uh, chockers full of the in these areas. And look, you can actually go swim in these areas if that's your sort of thing, swimming that, in reproductive goo. I that, don't
2: know if that sounds really appealing. Well, you
1: know, this is one of those holiday treats that people actually go to these areas and actually go for a swim in these coral sporting events. I can imagine that it actually looks kind of cool, uh, but you have to step back and actually think about exactly what you're well, doing. you're
2: swimming in. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: Now, yep. sponges... I don't know
2: if I'm putting that on the bucket list.
1: No, no. Well, look, you, you can't write anything off until you've tried it.
2: That, yeah, that is a good point. Actually, very good point. Okay, I'll leave it on the bucket list. Sure.
1: Now, sponges, obviously, they, as I mentioned, they produce sperm. So they're also they're well, they're even it's, it's even uh, less likely that they're actually going to uh, find another mate because they'll be producing sperm, and just by chance, just by the tides and currents and the direction of the water, that sperm has to travel into the, the female re- re- receptive uh, cell of another sponge, which could be absolutely nowhere in sight.
2: Oh, stats aren't really in your favour. No. Though.
1: Fortunately, both corals and sponges... And I, I, look, I should mention that corals and sponges do reproduce in a, in a diverse uh, diverse many ways, so I'm really generalising here. But sponges and corals can then fall back on asexual reproduction. So they don't actually need to rely on sexual reproduction to find a mate. That can actually just clone themselves, really. So you can actually have huge areas of the ocean where you'll have lots of individual sponges, but they're all exactly the same. They're genetically identical.
2: Well, so- straight away, I think if... I mean, we know that the more diversity that you have, particularly genetically, in an in an environment, yes. the more likely you're going to survive, you know, natural disasters or any changes in the environment. So That's that could right. be a real problem. It for could the sponges be, re- and
1: with climate change and corals, with climate change, we're imposing a factor where maybe they don't have the genetic diversity to cope with these changes. Yeah, it's a big problem, particularly coral. There are absolutely some coral that are responding better to climate change and warming temperatures than others. And there's some really pioneering work where they're actually trying to hybridise the coral. And this particular coral is fantastic, can hybridise, to bring in that diversity that can uh, survive in that changing temperature environment. So that's, that's absolutely incredible.
2: I love how we're doing that rather than finding ways to stop climate change.
1: Of course. <laughs> yeah.
2: Let's look, just fix the animals rather than fixing the climate.
1: Well, look, it's it's one step to, to hopefully helping us repair part of the reef. But, yeah, look. Fingers we, crossed. We, we did say we weren't going to be talking about no, doom sorry, today. No, sorry.
2: No doom and gloom. No.
1: But, and, and getting off doom, let's let, we, we can't talk about marine sex without speaking about the beautiful anglerfish. And it is a remarkable animal. Jump online. There are quite a few number of species of anglerfish. They're all as pretty as the other. Usually, though, the female's around 10cm uh, long, and it's covered in all these highly modified uh, fins and frills that make it look like seaweed. Yeah. And they are the ones that feature that whip-like fin right at the front. It actually contains bioluminescent bacteria in that uh, whip that actually attracts other fish, and then they gobble it up. Yeah, so, if,
2: if anyone's seen Finding Nemo, you, they, absolutely, they encounter yeah. it, it is, when they just keep swimming into it the It is deep. an
1: incredible animal. Mm. Yeah.
2: And we have some amazing ones here in Victoria, too. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. they are
1: all over the world. So the female is usually around 10 centimetres. The male, however, can be as small as six millimetres.
0: Six millimetres. Now time.
1: He has one job. One job. Yep. After he's born, he swims around and he finds a female. Now this, this is an incredibly difficult task. It's not often likely that it'll actually encounter a female because these animals live from anywhere from a kilometre to 2.5 kilometres down. So there's not much light. Ooh. There's not much life down there. Once it does find a female, it's quite happy. It thrusts itself onto the female, and that can be anywhere, on its back, its belly, on its face. So he's not very picky. Not very picky. Just goes straight in for, uh, well, to get jiggy. Right. Jumps on in, clamps on, and bites down, and fuses his jaw to the female. Now, you know what? His job's done. And then what happens, a little unfortunate for the male, his brain, his skeleton, all his digestive tract get digested and dissolved into the female. Ooh. So that's all that's left is his testes. Absol- I can see
2: where this is going. Yeah, yep. well,
1: look, <laughs> and that female may not encounter a male for a quite a long time, but she's got a pair of testes that could be anywhere on her body, could be on her face, that she can use at any time. So it is beneficial to have this backup system so she can have sperm to be used whenever she wants. So quite an extraordinary capability. That's
2: amazing. Absolutely. And disturbing.
1: And a little bit gross, but it works. It works. And evolutionary, look, it might seem gross to us and you're probably all feeling a bit prudish at the moment compared to, you know, how these guys do it, but it works. Yeah. That, that's not the only case though of animals storing sperm. There are there are lots of um, occurrences of this. Uh, there's a type of worm called a bone worm or zombie worm that actually lives on... Zombie worm. Zombie worm, yeah. Well, <laughs> it makes it. sense. Do you, you know why they get the name zombie? It's because they consume other dead animals. So these worms actually live in about the same sort of range as the anglerfish, and they'll actually sit on top of dead whales and other carcasses and actually eat that carcass very, very slowly. Okay. They'll even eat the the, the bone, which is why they get their their name. Ah,
2: bone worm. Okay. Of course. Yep.
1: They can digest it. Now, for a long time, scientists kept on finding these females, but they could never find the males. They didn't know what was going on. But the females always had sperm within them, so there's males somewhere. Are they hermaphrodite? Are they changing sex? What's going on? until someone realised that these sperms seemed to be living quite a long time and not being used. And they realised that the sperm were actually miniature, teeny tiny little males that live inside the female. Now, they get all the resources that the female provides by eating and they get, they get uh, all the food that they need, and she gets sperm whenever she wants. Whoa. Well, Handy way of living, eh? My
2: mind has been blown.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That is nuts. Yeah.
2: D- n- mind the pun. <laughs> well, we might go... <clears throat> To a quick song And we're going to come back And I'm going to talk about An animal that I quite like I think We'll wait and see Whether anybody out there In Radioland Knows which one it is
0: see something That you hadn't seen in somebody you know Since you were 16 If love Is it bought from the blue Then what is it bought But a glorified screw that doesn't hold Nothing together Far from these nonsense boys, and then nowhere music its making me sick. And I know it's making music, there's nothing that's there. like eating there, it's like drinking gin with nothing else in. That doesn't hold me together.
2: All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. That was One Crowded Hour by Augie March. I think it's quite relevant for today's show. Sure. So, just going to reiterate our warning that we gave at the start of the show for anyone who might have joined us. Uh, we are talking about marine sex today, so if you do have any little ones with you at the moment, you might want to listen to the show on podcast later. Sure. Look, look. Not that we're being too gross.
1: It's a. We're not being too gross. It's very I don't believe it. scientific. Too, and that's right. It's a natural part of life. Uh, in is. an evolutionary sense, we all survive just to reproduce, really.
2: That's why we're here.
1: A little bit. Um, Pass on
2: the genetics to the next generation.
1: Don't you feel a bit useless? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. 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 But still, it makes for an interesting topic.
2: It does. It does. Now, I said before that song that I was going to talk about an animal that I really like, and it is the cuttlefish, or cuttle as it should really be called. Sure. And they do something pretty amazing. So the male cuttle, he wants a group of girls. He wants a whole harem of girls, as many girls as he can possibly find. Makes sense. And he is usually a very large individual, very impressive-looking boy, and he will go around and he will gather up as many girls as he can and he'll keep them in an area and he'll be very territorial of that area. He won't let any other males in to mate with his girls. However, there are smaller males who realise that they don't have a hope in ever challenging the large male. And what they do is they do a little bit of cross-dressing. They will put on the colours of a girl. And they will sneak in with the girl and the large boy will think, you beauty, just got myself another girl. (laughs) And this little male will sneak on in and when the big male's off guarding his territory, he'll change colours and go to the girls, hey, look at me, I'm actually a boy. (laughs) And genetics have shown that the girls actually prefer to to mate with the sneaky male, who's little, who sneaks on in and manages to mate with a few, rather than the big male who gathered them in the first place.
1: So they're they're actually choosing brains over brawn. They are. Wow.
2: I know, it's impressive. They are choosing the crossdresser. And I think that's pretty amazing. Why not? Exactly. It takes more brains to sneak in there and and pretend to be a girl and then go, wow, I'm a boy.
1: It's quite risky for the the small male. It's very risky. risky. Definitely, definitely.
2: He's got to be very careful on when he does that colour change.
1: <laughs> I reckon that's pretty cool. Incredible, incredible. Yeah. And look, we are talking about sex in all these marine organisms, and we did mention bone worms and cuttlefish, and obviously the anglerfish. So it's easy to imagine that weird sex only happens, and weird and strange, wonderful reproductive strategies only happens within those extremes. But it's not not true. Sharks employ a whole range of reproductive strategies, and they really are a very diverse group. Um, We often see them as just the one sort of animal, which is not true. Mm,
2: Shark, scary, going to kill me, That's right, that's right.
1: All the different species have different life habits, needs, and sexual requirements. Uh, Some sharks have been known to store sperm from a male for up to four years. That's crazy. Now, we, we hypothesize that they can actually mate with other males and then choose which sperm she actually liked to... Oh, So she's not
2: only storing it, but she's somehow able to separate them and remember.
1: Possibly, yes. Whoa. Which is which must be handy, you know. That is, um, if that if you've crazy. got no other males around you, okay, great, you've got some sperm. But if yep. a big hunky male comes along that you much prefer, he's, his is sperm. Well, yep. it's the one I'm going to use,
2: and you don't hurt the feelings of the other one. No,
1: no, they go away Aww. happy. Sure.
2: Look how caring and sharing sharks are.
1: That's right. Look. And some sharks, if they can't find a male, actually rely on asexual reproduction, parthenogenesis. Ooh. They actually clone themselves, which is incredible. So we're diploid, as most organisms are. We have two chromosomes along our DNA st- uh, chain.
2: Well, two sets of chromosomes. Two sets, yeah, of course. Yep. These
1: guys are polyploid, so they have multiple chromosomes. They don't need to find a mate for genetic recombination. So as a backup, they can just produce a clone, an exact copy daughter. Now, Whoa. they will preferentially mate with a male to diversify that gene pool, but they don't need to. So that's absolutely incredible.
2: That's cool. See, I wish I could clone myself, but mainly for selfish reasons. I would send my clone to work, yeah, of and course. I would go on holidays. Of course,
1: yeah. Maybe they have. Maybe they do that. And we just haven't discovered how and why yet.
2: Yeah, they could have really crazy social structure. Yeah. Yeah. What about the mammals, though? Mammals. The Marine mammals.
1: Yeah. I absolutely. mean, we all
2: know that dolphins will have sex for fun.
1: Who doesn't? Yeah. Really.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, but dolphins are one of them. Yeah. Um, but you were telling me about the whale while That's that song right. was on.
1: The largest. Animal in the world, the blue whale, also has one of the largest penises. Three meters of highly mobile penis.
2: Three meters. Three meters. That's think like about twice that, boys. my height.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's, that's
2: right. That's crazy.
1: Highly mobile, and often these blue whales will crowd the female and they'll all try and enter her vagina. And with when you've got a three-meter highly mobile penis, it can go wherever it wants, really. Whoa. Yeah. Think about oh, that. Oh, that's really think disturbing.
2: <laughs> Oh, there are so many visuals that I didn't actually want today. But it's all entertaining and it's all educational.
1: Of course, all very educational. And look, it, I'm not going to talk about marine for a minute. If I'm going to give, leave you with one image for today, I'm going to give, give you all a bit of a gift, just to be a bit silly.
2: Oh, hold on. I'm not sure where this is going.
1: Go on to YouTube after this show.
2: Do I need and, to send another warning out?
1: No, no, no. Okay. And just type okay. in the word tapir penis and that's all I'm going to say. That'll be some fun viewing for all those adults out there.
2: Okay, I'm going to have to look at that when I'm at the footy. Of course. Um, Okay, well, that brings us to the end of Out of the Blue today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, We are available on podcast now, so make sure you head to 3cr.org.au forward slash blue radio, and today's show will be up probably by tomorrow afternoon, by the time I get around to to working on it today. Um, Next up is Out of the Pan with Sally, so enjoy your day.